You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Green and Gold History. 50-plus years of stories, championships, and colorful characters. This is A's Baseball. This is Green and Gold History. This episode of Green and Gold History is presented by New Era. New Era Cap is proud to be the official cap of your Oakland athletics. Next time you visit the Coliseum, be sure to drop by the New Era Cap stand and pick up your A's New Era Authentic Collection Cap. Remember, you can always visit us at neweracap.com to shop our latest selection, including our limited edition and exclusive drops. New Era Cap, the official on-field cap of Major League Baseball. Hi again, everybody. Vince Catronia with you as we continue the countdown of the top 50 greatest games in Oakland history. We're into the top 10. And this batch of five at number 10 includes Dallas Braden's perfect game. Number nine, the 1988 game, one of the World Series, Dennis Eckersley against Kirk Gibson. At number eight, Hamilton drops the ball as the A's win the West, concluding the 2012 regular season. And number seven, the 1989 game for the World Series, the sweep of the A's against the Giants in San Francisco. At number six, game one of the World Series of 1972, the A's and the Reds. Gene Tennis, moment in the sun, and the A's first ever World Series victory here in the East Bay. Remember, every Tuesday and Friday, we're continuing our countdown. Five more to go on the 50 greatest games in Oakland history, and then we'll have the final countdown for you coming up by the end of the year. Baseball has been woven into the fabric of our country since the 1800s. And in more than a century of watching this game grow, stars have been born, legacies established, greatness witnessed. But also there have been moments captured in time that have touched a player and a team. Some unexpected and unlikely, and some so perfect that it seems a higher power was involved. May 9th, 2010, Mother's Day at the Coliseum. Oakland versus Tampa Bay, and Dallas Braden's perfect game is number 10 on our list of Oakland's greatest games. Dallas just faced Tampa 12 days prior and was touched for six runs in a 10-3 loss. The Rays were second in the majors and runs scored when he faced them again, this time with a simple plan. Early strikes and early outs, that's the, that's the biggest key. Uh, you know, these guys are going to gonna step in with a plan and an approach, and you just, you just hope that uh, what you have in order that day is, is a little better than them, and today it was. The game's first batter stepped in, and Braden was true to form. Braden throws and swung on a soft line drive, and a backhanded play at third by Kuzminov. Back at third, I think it was going to be a fair ball if he doesn't touch it, and Kuzminov Going to the backhand side, and that's the way our ball game begins as Bartlett lines out. The A's faced James Shields and Braden again. He K-12 with that April win, but the A's got to him early on this Sunday. In the second, catcher Landon Powell, who just recalled to the big leagues, was at the plate in the second inning. The 2-1 to Powell is swung out in a bloop in a short left center for a base hit, and the A's are going to take the lead. Kuzmanov scores. Chavez to third to throw it too late. Holding it first with a single is Landon Powell, and the Athletics have taken a 1-0 lead. While Braden had not allowed a base runner the first time through the order, Kevin Kuzmanov added another run in their half of the third inning. Swung on right left side in the hole. Diving forward is Longoria off his glove. Trickles in the left field. Around third is Martin 
sliding in the third is Ryan Sweeney. Kuzminoff is two for two, and the A's lead it two to nothing. Braden was on the attack all afternoon and continued his perfect run through the top of the fourth. Payoff pitch, changeup bounce court short. Pennington in front of it sets his feet on the Barton. It's 12 up and 12 down for Dallas Braden. He has not allowed a base runner this afternoon. On to the bottom of the fourth, it's still 2-0 open. Dallas was drafted by the A's in the 24th round in 2004 out of Texas Tech. A kid from the 209 who graduated from Stagg High School. And at that time in his life, his grandmother, Peggy Lindsay, was raising Dallas after the passing of his mom, Jody Atwood, from breast cancer. Nothing ever came easy for Braden, but his grandmother was the steadying force in his life and, like always, was in attendance on this Sunday. Oakland added two runs in the fourth on an error by Deonta Navarro and a single by Ryan Sweeney to double the lead to 4-0. And even at this early juncture in the game, the storyline was continuing to take shape. Big gap in the outfield in right center. And the pitch dumped in by Dallas. Change up, bounce to third. Kuzminov's got it. He turns, fires to first. 15 straight, retired by Brayton to begin this ball game on Mother's Day. And halfway through the game after four and a half, it's still 4-0 A's. His toughest hitter that day was Gabe Kapler. In the sixth with two outs, the Rays right fielder battled Braden for 12 pitches before Dallas stayed perfect. Once again, Braden to Kapler, the 2-2 is swung on and popped up. Third base side, playable toward the dugout. Kuzminov, plenty of room, and he makes the catch. A great battle won by Dallas Braden against Gabe Kapler, 18 up and 18 down for the A's lefty from Stockton. At this point, all the focus was on Braden. The A's would not score again on this day. And with two outs at the top of the seventh, he was facing Ben Zobrist. Martin off the line of first behind the back, the same for Kuzminov at third. The 1-1. Look at the right field, an easy chance. Here comes Sweeney, and he will squeeze it 21 in a row. Sat down by Dallas Braden. He steps off the hill on his way to the dugout, and we head to the bottom of the seventh. The story continues. It's the A's four, and the Rays nothing. Every graded pitch cheered on by the Coliseum faithful. Perfection continues as Dallas chased Catfish Hunter's 1968 masterpiece. Two outs in the eighth for B.J. Upton. Five bars on deck, Braden third base side of the rubber. Fans come to their feet. He's ready, Powell sets up inside. The 0-2 is swung out of this. Fastball, he throws it five. 24 straight, retired by Braden to begin the ball game on this Sunday afternoon Mother's Day. When a pitcher tries to accomplish something special, he's not alone sink with Powell behind the plate all afternoon and getting help from his defense. With one out of the ninth, Eric Patterson brought Braden one out away from perfection when Navarro was at the plate. Outfield straight away. The windup working quickly, the 0-1 pitch is swung on line to left. Patterson's there, reaching back, makes the catch! A line shot hit right on the money by the owner Navarro. Patterson went back about three steps, reached up the glove, and made the catch on the line drive. Two outs, ninth inning, and Braden is one out away. Kapler coming up, and Kapler gave Braden the best battle this afternoon by far. The Coliseum was ready to witness history with Kapler back at the plate. 
Kapler was the 25th out in Mark Burley's perfect game the previous season against the White Sox. This time, it ends with him. Three balls and one strike to Gabe Kapler. Two out, nobody on, ninth inning. Bartlett's on deck, and Braden turns. He throws, and it's swung on a ground ball to short. Taken there, Pennington's got it. He throws a perfect game! Dallas Braden has thrown a perfect game! Pitching by Braden. The A's first no hitter since Dave Stewart at Toronto in 1990. After the mob scene with his teammates, Dallas went looking for the most important person in his life at that moment, his grandmother Peggy Lindsay, who made her way down onto the field. Uh, yeah, it's unreal. You know, it's uh, it's something I've always wanted to do. Obviously, since I was a little kid at the major league level, uh, to be able to give that to her on the, on this special day. And, uh, and, and let her just experience that. That, that. That's more than I could ever ask for. It's nothing, nothing about me. It's all about how she feels today and what she was able to watch. The 19th perfect game in baseball history. It doesn't matter that Dallas won only 26 big games, a career cut short by injury. What it does remind us that at any given time on a major league field of an unlikely place, the baseball gods reach down and touch you on the shoulder. Dallas Braden, Mother's Day 2010, May 9th versus Tampa Bay. Perfection came his way, and it's number 10 on our top 50 list of Oakland's greatest games. Welcome to the 1988 World Series, the Oakland Athletics versus the Los Angeles Dodgers. One of the greatest seasons in A's history. 104 regular season wins with a combination of power and pitching. 1988 marked the return to the World Series for the first time since 1974 and a stroll down memory lane, reconnecting with the Los Angeles Dodgers who Oakland beat in five games that season. Game one of the 1988 World Series, October 15th, 1988, is number nine in our top 50 list. And while it ended in disappointment, it allowed one future Hall of Famer to accept the spotlight in the toughest of circumstances, but be appreciative of the competition of the moment. Dave Stewart would pitch eight innings on this night, but light-hitting Mickey Hatcher set the tone for the underdog Dodgers in the first. the balk unsettled Stewart, but Hatcher hit one home run all year. 1988 was a magical year for Jose Canseco, becoming baseball's first 40 home run, 40 stolen base man, winning the American League Most Valuable Player Award. And in the second, a single and two walks around two strikeouts gave Canseco a chance to make an entry into World Series history, which he did in dramatic fashion. Full wind again, deals it in. Swung on. Way back, center field. Shelby deep. It is gone. Panseco grand slams for the first time in his major league career. 
out the window goes a Dodger lead. A's four, Dodgers two. Holy Toledo. It stayed that way until Mike Sosha singled in a run in the sixth to make it a one-run game. But all the drama unfolded in the bottom of the ninth with the A's leading 4-3. Dennis Eckersley led the American League with 45 saves that season. He retired Sosha and Jeff Hamilton, but up stepped Mike Davis, and the usually precise Eck was off the mark. The last 10 World Series games, by the way, have been won by the home team. Eckersley trying to break that string. Fires. Outside a ball. Again, working him away, one and one. He has not gone to the breaking ball thus far. Davis back in and waiting. Outside, he tried to pick up the outside corner with a fastball. Two balls and a strike. Dave Anderson is out in the on-deck circle. Ball three, it's away. Anderson, an infielder, is out in the on-deck circle with a pitcher spot two up next. Three and one to Davis after the first pitch was a strike. Eckersley goes to the motion. He lost him. Ball four. Kirk Gibson won the National League MVP award based more on intangibles and leadership than his 290 average and 25 home runs. In game seven of the NLCS, he hurt his right knee sliding into second base against the Mets. As it turns out, he had only one swing in him for the World Series. As another Hall of Famer, Bill King, takes us through that fateful moment in the bottom of the ninth. And now the tying run is on, and here comes Gibson. And a high moment of drama approaching. The crowd rising as one here. This is the man who fired the engine all year long. Mike Davis capable of the steal at first base. Eckersley, who has a relatively slow leg kick. Lasorda will be looking to that possibility. Two out. The Dodgers still alive. In 20 postseason games, Gibson has six homers and 19 RBIs. Two big homers against the Mets in the championship series. The ability to rise to the occasion and overcome physical maladies. Gibson stands to the side, takes a few practice swings. Eckersley giving up that base on balls in a rare moment. Sets. Davis doesn't go. The pitch. Swing and a foul coming back upstairs and it's strike one. In his earlier years in the American League, the A's were able to pitch Gibson up and in with fastballs successfully off the plate but in this kind of a ball game that's a risky proposition because if you don't get it in the right place a guy as strong as Gibson can pull it deep on you this is where he wants to get a decision he doesn't want to go full and get Davis a fast man running here it is Davis running anyway ball three no throw as he steals second base the pitch was away Cassie acted as if he thought it were ball four, and he's talking to Harvey now. He looked around at Harvey. Maybe he thought he was hit. Let's see. Oh, Gibson was across the plate. Gibson was leaning out over the plate, blocking any avenue for Hassey to really get off a good throw and rather risk an errant heave. He didn't throw it, and he was telling Harvey he thought he was interfered with. 
Now it's three and two as Gibson is paddled back from two strikes. Oh, the moment is reaching excruciatingly dramatic proportions. The tying run at second. Doesn't take much to get him in. Gibson backs away. Eckersley started by getting ahead with two strikes. Eck has not thrown that slider. Swung on, drive, right field, deep, way back, gone! Gibson has won it with a home run into the right field pavilion, and the Dodgers have won the first game of the World Series. Gibson graded by the entire Dodger roster at home plate. The hobbled hero battling Eckersley to three and two, and then launching a shot into the right field pavilion between the 360 and 370 marks. A devastating blow with the A's one strike from victory. And the Dodgers continue what Lasorda has been labeling the miracle performance. Covered in sweat and filled with disappointment, Eckersley stood at his locker for what seemed like an eternity to answer the same question over and over. Forever classy, looking back, X still showed his true Hall of Fame colors. Looking back, I even said that night, it's like, my name wasn't Eckersley anymore. Everywhere I went after that was, hey, Gibson! You know what I mean? That was my name. And I lived with it for a long time. Luckily, we won the World Series the next year, right? In Candlestick. And that took some of the, you know, the bad feelings, uh, taste out of my mouth, out of it. You know, that was my first World Series. And coming off of beating the Red Sox, I mean, what a downer. We weren't meant to win that because we were so much better than the Dodgers. And sometimes it's just destiny for some teams, but it's just something I'll never forget. You know, for me, I'm okay with it. I mean, what a great moment in baseball. It really was. And I happen to be a part of it. Not a great part, but I can live with it. October 15th, 1988. Game one of the World Series, and that's number nine on our top 50 list of Oakland's greatest games. I hold that season so high from everything that I've accomplished, game, seen, witnessed. And, I mean, I don't know if that could ever happen again. You talk about being in first place for four innings of a 162 game season. And then going all the way to game five, where, you know, I got old Harry there. Yeah, I mean, there was something I'll never forget is when the Detroit Tigers tipped their hats to us after they clinched. Like, what? Like, they, they realized that they just witnessed, like, a, a, a movie. Sure, there have been better finishes. When you're the last team standing, as the Athletics have accomplished four times in Oakland, it is simply the best feeling in the world. Other seasons have featured more wins in the regular year, but in 54 years of A's baseball, the 2012 season has to be considered as the most entertaining of all because the dramatic finish to the season has been unlike any other. Down by five games with only nine to play, the A's rallied and won the West on the last day, making October 3rd, 2012, number eight on our top 50 list of Oakland's greatest games. It was Bob Melvin's first full season at the helm after taking over in June of 2011. Rotation stalwarts Trevor Cahill and Gio Gonzalez were traded before the season, and the A's wandered through the first three months looking at a 13-game deficit in the West on June 30th. And then something happened. The final game against Texas was a chance to capture the division. A.J. Griffin was facing Ryan Dempster. 
Oakland swept Seattle over the weekend, including their 14th walk-off win, and won Monday night to clinch the wild card, and won again on Tuesday, but they wanted more. A capacity crowd of 36,067 was on hand, and Oakland jumped ahead in the bottom of the first with Brandon Moss at the plate. Here's the 2-1 delivery with two on and one out. Dempster throws, and it's swung a line down the right field line in the corner, fair ball. Drew is around third to score. Sussman is going to third, they'll hold him there on a double to right by Moss, and the A's take the early lead. In the bottom of the first, it's 1-0 Athletics. But Texas, champions of the American League in 2010 and 11, moved into first place in the West after only the fourth game of that season, and they weren't ready to give it up just yet. Top of the third, Adrian Beltre put the Rangers on the board. Here comes the 1-0. Slow curve, grounded left side through the hole, a base hit between Donaldson and Drew. Kinsler is home, and the game is tied at one. Beltre picks up his 102nd RBI. Griffin is beaten on the curveball, and Beltre sends it into left field. Michael Young added an RBI two-base hit to give Texas the lead, and David Murphy followed, pushing them even farther ahead in the inning. 3-2 pitch, and here it comes. Curveball swung on, lifted into right center field, and that will get down for a hit. Cruz is home. Behind him is Young. Murphy delivers a two-run single, and the Rangers' lead is now 4-1. David Murphy delivering RBI 60-61 and 61 on the year, and it has been a four-run uprising for Texas here in the third. Giovanni Soto chased Griffin with an RBI single, and the A's were down 5-1. In the bottom of the fourth, the Athletics rallied back against Dempster. Josh Reddick delivered an RBI double to make it 5-2, and after a Josh Donaldson single, Seth Smith kept the line moving and knocked Dempster out of the game. 5-2 Texas, bottom of the fourth inning. And a 2-2 pitch is on the way. Swung on, lined up the middle. That's going to get down for a hit. Hamilton takes it on a bounce. Once he does, Reddick is on his way across the plate. And the A's are back within two. RBI single for Seth Smith. The A's trail at five to three. Derek Holland got two quick outs, but the A's still had traffic with two on. And Coco Crisp came to the plate. The switch hitter had only nine RBIs that season, batting right-handed until he jumped into double figures. Smith at second, Donaldson at third. Holland stays out of the stretch. He kicks and fires, and the pitch is lined down the right field side, heading toward the corner. Fair ball! It's right on the stripe at the 330 side. We are tied at five. Coco stands at second base. He claps his hands. He gives the sign, and this game starts all over again. Opposite field double, his 25th of the year. RBIs 45 and 46. And the A's have five, and Texas has five. Stephen Drew, who joined the A's late in August, drew a walk, and that brought Ioannis Cespedes to the plate. It was considered a major coup that the Athletics, and not some other franchise, secured the signing of the Cuban star just as spring training was getting underway. He had a flair for the dramatic and enjoyed the spotlight. In the history of the A's, there have been incredible hits, home run catches, and great pitching. But this moment for Cespedes truly defined the magic of the 2012 season. Expect the unexpected. Hitters count at 3-1 on Cespedes. 
Colin Reddy's the leg kick, the pitch changeup hit high in the air to center. Stays in the park for Hamilton, jogging in, still coming, looking up into the bright sky, drops it. He drops the baseball. Unbelievable. Christmas home. Drew is home. Cespedes is at second base. Josh Hamilton dropped the routine fly ball. And the A's are back in front. It's 7-5 Oakland. It would be a lead that the A's would not relinquish. Up 12-5 by the top of the ninth inning. All that was left was Grant Balfour to close it out. First on a fly out by Beltre, then Nelson Cruz came to the plate. And the 2-2 pitch is swung on and missed. Slider down and away. Cruz K's. Two out, Michael Young coming up. Then the climax to the 2012 regular season with Michael Young batting in the ninth inning. Two out, ninth inning, 12-5 A's, no balls and two strikes. And the pitch to Michael Young is swung on a fly ball center field. That's going to do it. Coco is under it, drifting back. He's there, and he's got it, and the A's have won the West. And they've got it after trailing by five games with nine to play. historic proportions. The A's only day in first place was the last day of the regular season. A 51-25 second half kick concluded with a six game winning streak to give the Athletics 94 wins and the AOS pennant for the first time since 2006. One of the most entertaining seasons in the history of the A's on October 3rd, 2012, the season finale against the Rangers is number eight on our top 50 list of Oakland's greatest games. The healing would take time, but once again, baseball joined the process to help the Bay Area recover. The 1989 World Series, interrupted by the Loma Prieta earthquake mid-classic, resumed after 10 days. What was supposed to be a celebration between Bay Bridge rivals Instead, Fittis muted, but in no way lessened the domination Oakland had over the Giants in Game 4 of the series, October 28, 1989, is Game 7 on our top 50 greatest games in Oakland history. Dave Stewart and Mike Moore were the A's starters for Games 1 and 2 at the Coliseum, shutting down the Giants 5-0 and 5-1. When the series resumed after the earthquake in San Francisco, Tony La Russa stayed with the two at Candlestick, Oakland clubbed five home runs in a 13-7 route to take a three games to none lead in the series. When the A's needed a spark to return to the postseason in 1989, they turned to Ricky Henderson, bringing him home from the Yankees in June. The greatest leadoff man of all time started game four against Don Robinson. The 1-0 pitch to Ricky Henderson. Missing outside, ball two, and again the Giants digging themselves a hole as the Blue Jays did throughout the playoffs and as the Giants have done too often in the World Series by walking Henderson or at least letting him get on somehow leading off and he gets a high fly ball to left field and that one is carrying and back goes Mitchell and it's a launching pad again tonight and I have to tell you I've seen a lot of games in this park and that fooled everybody on a windless night, what would be a normal routine fly ball goes out, just like last night, one to nothing. Mike Moore spent his entire 14-year pitching career in the American League, 
During that time, he had one big league at bat. One. That has been a disadvantage for AL pitchers in the World Series for years since the DH was instituted in 1973. And remember, this was before interleague play. So the result of more batting in the second should have been a foregone conclusion. Except it wasn't. You doubt that Robinson has a scouting report on Moore, don't you? <laughs> has trouble with a thrown ball. And it's hit in the air to center field, and Butler races back, and it's over his head. Henderson comes in to score. Weiss is being waved in. He scores on the first hit by an American League pitcher since 1979 in a World Series game. Ricky followed with an RBI single, and the A's were off to an early 4-0 lead, chasing Robinson from the game. In the fifth, Terry Steinbach was at the plate with two outs facing Mike Lacoste, and this swing brought the A's closer to the title. The A's got a run in the top of the first on a home run by Henderson, then three as they batted around in the second. And it's 4-0. That's hit down the line in right field, and it's a base hit and more as Canseco comes in to score. Nixon's still chasing it down. Henderson rounds third. He comes in to score. The relay to third is not in time there, and it is six to nothing on a triple by Steinbach. And again and again and again against Toronto and against San Francisco, you walk somebody and the A's kill you. In the second inning tonight, the intentional walk to Weiss, followed by Moore's double. Here, a two-out walk to Henderson. Prolongs the inning. A triple by Steinbach, and it's 6-0 Oakland. Tony Phillips behind Steine for another RBI for a 7-0 lead, and the A's kept the pressure on with Carney Lansford facing Jeff Brantley in the top of the sixth inning. And Lansford hits it in the center field, and that drops for a base hit, and Henderson will trot home, and it is eight to nothing, Oakland. Ten hits for the A's. The slaughter goes on, and Kanchenko is the batter. Moore left the game with an 8-2 lead after six, and the Giants mounted one final charge against the A's bullpen to close the gap to 8-6. Steinbach received a bases-loaded walk in the eighth to lift Oakland to a 9-6 lead, which Dennis Eckersley took to the ninth. So Dennis Eckersley comes in to pitch. He has a three-run lead, and of course, the fifth hitter in the inning would be Clark. You get to a sixth hitter, Mitchell. So here we go in the bottom of the ninth inning with Nixon to lead off and tries to bunt his way on and it's a good bunt to the right side and Phillips shovels, gets him. Great play by Phillips and McGuire with the presence to get back to cover at first base. Good, good bunt, the type you normally beat out. That's a perfect bunt only because other than the fact that Tony Phillips anticipates it. We already saw him go up the middle. You can see him pushing the base. McGuire goes back to the base, and Phillips, a former shortstop, anticipating that, anticipating that play, comes in and makes a snap throw and have it out. 
The second terrific play by Phillips in this ballgame. And if you notice, Mark McGuire, in going back to first base, slipped and almost didn't make it. So the A's continue to do it in every phase. Power, hitting, running, defense, pitching, of course. Fly ball to left field. Henderson makes the catch. And the Giants are now down to their final out. And the last batter for the Giants in that series was Brett Butler. One on bounce off McGuire's glove. Phillips has it. Throws to Eckersley in time. Another great play by Tony Phillips. And the A's have won the World Series in a sweep. And with that, the Athletics' fourth title in Oakland history. The A's outhomer the Giants 9-4 in the series and outscored them 44-14, beating the Giants with pitching, defense, and power. October 28, 1989, Game 4 of the 1989 World Series is number 7 on our top 50 list of Oakland's greatest games. Gene Tennis grew up in the Rust Belt at a time when it was still thriving. Drafted by the Kansas City A's from Valley High School in Lucasville, Ohio, Tennis reached the majors in 1969 and knew the A's were one piece away from fulfilling their dreams. I think Dick Williams was, a, was really the key in, the, in us putting it all together because we had the great pitching, we had you know good hitting, good athletes, good hitters. I, I think the thing that he realized we were lacking was our the fundamental execution. And, he got us in spring training and he just pounded that into us and that was the one ingredient I think was missing and once we grasped a hold of that, we pretty much took off with it after that. Williams took over in 1971 with the Athletics and that team won the West with 101 wins but were swept in the postseason by the Baltimore Orioles. 1972 laid the foundation for the dynasty of Oakland A's baseball for the next three seasons. The A's won 93 games that year and beat Detroit in a tough five-game series to advance to their first World Series. And the deciding run in the finale was driven in by tennis. For the Athletics franchise, that hadn't happened since 1931. So, October 14, 1972, game one of the Fall Classic against the Cincinnati Reds is number six on our top 50 countdown, history made in Ohio. Ken Holtzman joined the A's that previous offseason for the Cubs in a deal for Rick Monday. Won 19 games in 72 and started the opener, the first of three consecutive World Series openers for the lefty. The Reds countered with young Gary Nolan, a 15-game winner with a 1.99 ERA for the powerful Reds. With two outs in the top of the second, following a George Hendrick walk, up stepped tennis and stunned the Reds and began an unforgettable day on the diamond. There's a long blast, a deep left. That one is going, and it is gone. A home run for Gene Tennant. And the A's grab the lead in the top of the second inning with a two-out, two-run homer by Gene Tennis, who hit only five homers during the year. Holtzman pitched five innings that day, and two ground outs from Dave Concepcion in the second, and Dennis Menke in the fourth, tied the game at two. Nolan was pitching to Tennis again in the fifth, the A's catcher sent another bolt into the seats. There's a long drive deep down the left field line. That's going. Gone. Gene Tennis has hit his second home run 
In this World Series game, he is not a home run hitter. He hit a two-run homer in the second. This one right down the line, well back into the seat, and the A's lead 3-2. to two. Dick Williams was a master at managing a game. Concepcion single to lead off the bottom of the seventh off Raleigh Fingers with the score still 3-2 Oakland. And in his career, he stole over 300 bases. So Williams had a thought. Ted Ulander came to the plate, and the A's were ready. It's Oakland three and Cincinnati two. Marky Anderson, who had Cheney up in the last inning with a batting helmet on and a bat in his hand to pinch it for Concepcion as they got down that far, decided to go ahead with his shortstop against the side-arming right-hander Raleigh Fingers, and on a three-two count, he ripped it into left. The move, I'm sure the newspaper men will be swarming down on Anderson to talk about after this ball game. It turned out to be a big one. We land her at the plate, cocks the bat. There goes the runner. The pitch is a pitch out. Throw to second base. Nineteen seventy-two was a tough year for Vita Blue. His remarkable seventy-one campaign of twenty-four wins, All-Star selection, MVP, and Cy Young awards was followed up by a contract dispute and a late start to the season. Out of the pen for the ALCS, which included four shutout innings to save Game Five, Vita was summoned in that same role for Game One and worked a one-two-three-eighth, closing it out facing Menke. of the Big Red Machine was not done in the ninth, facing Blue. The tying run was at third base, and Pete Rose, who led the National League in hits that season, was at the plate. Well, Dick Williams has gone to third base and foul Vando and shallow to protect against the buck. Right of Blue's pitch. He punched at it and fouls it off, and that's exactly what Dick Williams was talking to foul Vando about. Rose, if I recall, won a National League batting championship with a punch. First ever World Series win for the Oakland Athletics. 
Years later, chatting with former teammate Ray Fossey, Gene recalled how it came about to be tapped by the baseball gods as the first player ever to home run his first two World Series at-bats. Well, you know, that's an interesting scenario there because uh, I came out of the playoffs one for 16, and I, I didn't even think I was going to be playing in the World Series with those stats, but I was fortunate, you know, in the play of the fifth game of playoff drive in the deciding run in the fifth, in the, in the fifth game against the Tigers, uh, with two outs, so we ended up winning two to one and then winning the World Series. Actually, Cincinnati, I was raised 100 miles from there, so that was kind of nice being able to have the series that I had there and you know, being from that program from that area. So, uh, you know, it's hard to explain what the feeling was. You know, the first home run, you know, probably everybody thought it was an accident, but then the second one, you know, I came up the second time off of Gary Nolan, and he hung me a breaking ball, and I hit it right down the line. I thought it was going foul, so I didn't leave the home plate until actually I saw it you know, land in the fair. It was quite a thrill. October 14th, 1972, game one of the World Series against the Cincinnati Reds is number six on our top 50 countdown of Oakland's greatest games. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.